a mess. Let's throw your passport into the Rhine. I didn't hate Cosima's suggestion. In fact, I, I found myself almost considering it. At least the joke served to lighten the mood. Okay, I said, feigning but not feigning seriousness as I rolled over on the bed to grab my iPod Touch, which functioned as my phone while I was in Germany. I sent a Facebook message to Chris, my closest friend in the cohort of kids from our high school who were on this Koblenz exchange trip. He was one of my closest friends back home too telling him that I was planning on throwing my passport into the river sometime before we were set to head back to the US and inviting him and his exchange partner, Johannes, to join us in throwing his in too so that we would not have to go home. But it wouldn't really, like we could explain it. You know, oh, we lost our passports. Oh my God, we just, guess we just have to stay here. Um, so my iPod buzzed a few seconds later. Sounds good, boss, when were you thinking? I read his response to Cozy and we laughed together. But when I met her eyes, I could tell that her heart was just as broken as mine. I had been in Koblenz, Germany, for nearly three weeks at that point, living with Cosima and her family in their beautiful home on an exchange trip. The year before, she had come to live with me and my family in Austin for three weeks. And that experience had already left us close, but now, as we neared the end of my time in Germany, we were seriously the best of friends. I missed my friends and family back home, of course, and I talked to them a lot, but I was starting to really feel at home in Koblenz too. Even after such a short time, I loved everything about it. The language, the food, the architecture, the weather, which was much better than Texas. <laughs> I was getting to know the city, and I felt at home with my host family. They were wonderful people. I'd made friends there, and even though it was against the trip rules, I had started dating a really, really cute German boy. His name was Johannes, Chris's exchange partner. And I was kind of crazy about him. And the thought of going home, even though of course a big part of me did want to, was enough to have another part of me actually entertaining the notion of walking the few blocks from Cosima's house to the wide and fast flowing Rhine River, hurling my passport as far towards the middle as I could and never looking back. It was kind of crazy how fast I had fallen in love with life there, especially because I hadn't felt much like living anywhere at all when we left Austin. I had just gotten out of a really toxic long-term relationship and was struggling with like real actual depression for the first time. I was, to put it mildly, a mess. I was so depressed and anxious that I didn't even really want to go on the trip I had dreamed about and saved up for for years. But the date rolled around, and even though I hadn't slept a wink the night before from sheer panic over all the things that could go wrong, it was my first time leaving the country. I somehow got on the plane and proceeded to not sleep again for the rest of the 18-hour journey. It was my first time abroad, but when I finally made it to Cosima's, even though I was still exhausted and brokenhearted and anxious as hell, I looked around my little guest bedroom. The walls were a pale yellow, just like my room at home and I felt myself starting to come back to life, too. There's this story in the Bible. Maybe you've heard it. It's pretty popular. It goes like this. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. 
And then God goes and he plants a garden in Eden because God can and puts the man, Adam, in the garden and asks him and the woman whom God also makes to take care of this garden for God. And this garden is really amazing. It's got everything you could possibly need, every tree you can think of that's both beautiful and edible. That's what it says. Uh, But there are also these two extra trees in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, you know, take care of this garden for me. Why can't you do it yourself, God? I don't know. And, and eat whatever you want from the trees, only not that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat the fruit from that one. Because the day you eat it, you will die. And, like, you know where, where this is going. Like, eventually they eat it. But the thing is that they, they don't die. Not, like, that day like God said that they would. Instead, God shows up and figures it out because they have realized that they're naked and now they're wearing leaves and they confess, except Adam tries to blame the whole thing on his wife, which, gross. And instead of them falling down dead, God sends them forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from which they were taken until eventually, later, they will die and return to that very ground. But this kicking them out of the garden is not the end of the story of Adam and Eve. It's the end of their time in Eden, but they still have life to live. So Adam and Eve's world suddenly gets much bigger. It goes from being just the two of them in this garden where everything is kind of perfect and life is safe and restricted and small to, well, decidedly not that. (laughs) And there's no going back. I think that's kind of what growing up is like. At least that's how it was for me. Even at 17, towards the end of this first trip to Germany, I realized as our flight home drew nearer that I wasn't going home the same person I was when I'd left. For better or for worse, I had tasted the world and I couldn't untaste it and I was leaving a part of me behind. And it hurt so much that I almost, almost wished I hadn't even come. But more than that, I was just scared. Like, was this what the rest of my life was going to be like? Just falling in love with people and places only to end up having to leave them or having them leave? Would I always carry this, like, bottomless pit of longing around with me? So as it turned out, it was, (laughs) and I would. And I guess that's just kind of what being an adult is. having the people you love scattered all over because we all make our own choices and follow our own paths. Not really being able to go home again because you're not the same person you were before. Living with that pain of never having all the people you care about with you in one place and wanting to be other places wherever you are. Sending memes and TikToks when you run out of ways to say, I miss you, I love you. I wish you were here. Watching some relationships fade into stories with the end of summer, but never forgetting them. So I have to tell you, I'm actually kind of mad because I was using the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible to write this sermon, and that version labels this chapter where Adam and Eve eat the fruit, the first sin and its punishment. But... I'm not convinced that what happened to Adam and Eve was a punishment at all. 
what if God saying not to eat that particular fruit wasn't a command or a threat or an ultimatum, but a warning born of the parental desire to shield one's children from the pain and messiness of life beyond the garden? What if God saying, what if God, like any good parent, knew that the choice had to belong to the kids? This is one way to look at the story that doesn't make God look like a complete dick, which I don't know about you, but I do personally prefer a God who is not a complete dick. And anyways, I I don't think demonizing Adam and Eve the way that we often hear it done was ever, ever the point of this story. Literally, in the very next chapter, we encounter humans, the wife of Adam and Eve's son Cain, and their descendants' wives, and the inhabitants of the eventual city of Enoch, which Cain built, who are not descended from Adam and Eve, The text doesn't tell us where all these wives and people come from. They just show up. (laughs) And the world grows, and new stories emerge, and it's a reminder that this story was never meant to be taken literally. It's a starting point, a narrative that, like any good story, reflects life back to us. We grow tired of the garden, the safe, boring life we were born into, We learn to tell right from wrong, we grow up, we fuck up, we give our hearts to the wrong people and the right ones. We struggle, we die, we live. Is it worth it? I I think so. Like if Adam and Eve didn't eat that forbidden fruit, they just stay in their garden eating non-forbidden fruit and chilling, I guess. They just stay safe and comfortable in their tiny little painless world and get to live forever because that's what the tree of life does and they never encounter any other people never learn anything worth knowing, never experience the pain and goodness of a growing heart. They're safe and content, but they're probably bored out of their minds. I mean, that's got to be why Eve ate the fruit, right? This endless blur of days with no one to talk to other than your significant other and nothing to say to them other than, oh, that cloud looks like that thing you decided was called a rabbit or I tripped over a root today or which of these legal fruits should we have for dinner or do you want to have sinless sex for literally the millionth time? You would have broken the rules too just for something to do just to have a real story to tell and someone to tell it to. To love, not because they were literally the only option, but because you chose them. What makes Adam and Eve's time in the Garden of Eden a story that we like to tell is that it ended. Stories, by definition, have beginnings and middles and ends. I was as broken as I've ever been when I landed in Germany. Like Adam and Eve, I had done things my own parents definitely did not approve of in the year leading up to the trip and learned lessons I wished I hadn't had to learn or at least could have learned differently and lessons I wish they, I know they wish they could have spared me from, but let me choose out of love or perhaps just the knowledge that I'm incredibly stubborn and was gonna do whatever I wanted anyway. I was growing up, leaving my garden, and it hurt. And being abroad healed me so miraculously and then broke me in a totally different way. My world grew larger and it hurt desperately, but I came home with stories. Stories with beginnings and middles and ends and a heart so full of love and wonder that it ached. I came home more alive. 
So as you have probably figured out, given that I'm standing here right now, I didn't throw my passport into the Rhine. I also didn't sleep again the night we left. Our bus was leaving for the airport at 3 a.m. And anyways, I couldn't have fallen asleep if I tried. And Cozy sat up with me. Sometimes we talked. Sometimes we just sat. Her parents drove me to the pickup point. She rode with me in the back seat. And when we got there, we were standing in the parking lot. People start getting on the bus, and she hugged me. She's about this tall. <laughs> and she, she wouldn't let go. And I felt her shaking and realized she was crying and that I was crying too. And when I finally looked up, I was the last American in the parking lot. Everybody else was on the bus. I told her that I loved her, and I pried her off of me as gently as I could before dashing onto the bus, wiping the tears from my eyes. I sat next to Chris and put my head on his shoulder, exhausted and brokenhearted for completely different reasons than I had been when we'd left for Germany, but a little relieved to be going home too, even though I knew it wouldn't be quite the same. And we talked about the trip. We told our stories. A few days later, safely back in Texas and a little more rested, <laughs> I sent Cosima a Facebook message. Du fällst mir, it said. I miss you. Only literally translated what it actually means is you are missing from me. I'd left a part of me behind in Germany. I've left parts of me behind everywhere I've been since, including here. It's the price we pay for loving and letting our worlds expand because nothing lasts and everything ends, but that's what makes life worth living. And that's what makes a story worth telling. 